The James Mitsubishi Exit 31 podcast is available on ESPNSyracuse.com and ESPNUR.com, plus iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, TuneIn and SoundCloud, or find it at Exit 31 ESPN on Facebook and Twitter. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. The word of the day is actually, I'm going to go with two words. I, I lied. Uh, the two words of the day. Testicular fortitude. Mm. Who would you attribute that to? Was that a, a Mick Foley thing originally? Let's ask the wrestling guy. Glue guy's in here with us. Yes, that's correct. Was that correct? Yes. Thank you. Verified. I'm proud of you. Verified. Thank you very much. Wrestling terminology to talk about a football game right off the top. Exit 31 ESPN Radio. Yeah, QSportsTalk.com. We'll get up in there in the chat in just a minute. I'm Rain. Spencer Davidson is here. We go Nostradavidson versus Rainstradamus to get started. We will break down this SU football game to the best of our ability. We will be joined by Stephen Bailey to do just that of 24-7 sports at about 2.30. Um, we weren't here with you on Friday, and we normally go behind enemy lines at that point in time, so we'll do that today, actually, with Will Vandevoort. He's nice enough to agree to to flip to a recap instead of a preview. But I just, I, I focus on this quote. Dabo said, they're not much different than us. I have my opinions and observations. I want to ask him if Dabo Swinney was right. Mm. I kind of, sort of, in, in some senses, think he was, but they won the game and we didn't. Matt Perino is going to join us because the Bills play Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, they do against Tennessee and they travel well, by the way. So a lot of Bills Mafia had a doubt of Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen some of that chirping on social media, but he's got some statistical analysis to back it up. He's going to join us today. We'll kerfuffle at some point, too. But yeah, testicular fortitude. We didn't go for it again. We've lost three straight by three points. Um, we have a kicker who's accurate but doesn't have a leg. Uh, the distance is the problem. What's going on, man? What a disappointing... You drool the drool of remorse and the pillow of regret. That's the taste that's left in my mouth. I'm like, oh, come on, not again. Are we going to have Dino as the head coach at the end of this year? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I think we are. What you you didn't see Schmidt hitting sixty uh, five yard field goals during uh, warmups? Like no care. problem. It's not a game. <laughs> no, you didn't you didn't see that though. But come on, come on, you got to watch the kicker in warmups. You know how important that is, Rain. What's what is? Why don't we go for it at these points or at, at, at these these key points of the game? Why why do we suddenly get conservative? Garrett couldn't run the ball. I know that, but Sean Tucker sure did again, didn't he? Yeah. Well, look, I, I think it almost gives the coach an out. You know, if you if if you go to kick the field goal there, you you expect Andre Schmidt, the all time leading scorer in Syracuse football history, sure to be able to make a make a, a key kick like that. So you know, then all of a sudden it, it falls on his shoulders and it becomes his fault, his problem. People were calling for everybody to go to Tommy DeVito during the course of the game. Well, they didn't, no. and guess what? He's gone. He's transferring. He he loves community. Loves Dino. Dino loves him, but he wants an opportunity. I don't know how likely it is that Tommy DeVito is is a quarterback that's going to get a chance to play at the next level. So this is it for him, and I'm sure with his remaining eligibility, he would like to play some football games. Mm-hmm. That's why he's out of here. Yeah, he knew he he's just under the the requirement the three games or less if you want to transfer. So he's taking advantage of the opportunity. He got in that game. He no longer would have that opportunity to transfer. Uh, writings on the wall. You're going with Garrett Schrader. Um, he didn't end up playing. Should they have gone to Tommy at some point in the game, though? What do you think? Yeah, I think to change it up, to get a different look, 
to go, you know, to to to, to be better through the air. I don't know if you should have. I don't know if you, you should don't have. think so. No, why not? I mean, Garrett's your guy. He run it. He ran into. I mean, they just contained him. They just did. Yeah, he just couldn't. But right. But then, so you don't go for a different look. Then it was if, if, if Schrader's contained. You know, and and he's not really able to do much with the legs. If this was a track meet, a barn burner, mm-hmm. I think so. But they were struggling too. Yeah. Our linebackers, our defense in general, it's good, and they contain what is normally a prolific offense. Not this year for Clemson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a game, and you have to stick with what got you there. The reason this season turned around for Syracuse was going with Garrett Schrader. How much confidence do you show in him if you pull him out of this game? I think you had to remain with Garrett Schrader. And I think Tommy did what he had to do as a result of that. That that's where we stand with that. Do you have a? It's disappointing. It didn't work out. Imagine if you know you've got a highly recruited or highly touted four star quarterback coming in, attached at the hip to Dino Babers, and he performed well. This narrative is completely different in the way mm-hmm. we talk about everything. It it just didn't pan out. It didn't play out as intended. And unfortunately, that happens more often than not. Well, I mean. Uh... Don't you think that 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 Tommy DeVito did this to himself? I mean, don't you think that had he really taken this job and run with it, that maybe yeah, it would be a him. different situation? That's no, part on him too. I don't think you have. To, I don't think you t- you place that totally on the coach of the situation. I mean, Tommy DeVito was never he was never the four star. He was never the four star recruit that we expected when he came in. That's kind of what I was saying, right? Yeah, he was never that guy, and, and I mean. It, it, it falls on him now. Look, this isn't this isn't a personal attack on the guy. Like you said, he was Syracuse through and through. He was loyal to Dino Babers to an extent. He gave it his all. I I do believe he gave it his all. He left it all out there for him. I don't think that's the question. But you know, it, it's just he just was he did not come in as advertised. And at the end of the day, I, I mean, you know, if if Tommy DeVito is the Tommy DeVito that we all thought and expected and hoped that he would be coming to Syracuse, I don't think Garrett Schrader is is in the equation right now. I don't think you're turning to a guy who is a, a dual threat because you have a guy who is so good through the air if, and so good at managing the game. If expectations were met, then they're no, no, they're not going in the transfer portal looking at Garrett Schrader. Right. But they needed an option. They needed an option and they got an option and, and he's the guy. I mean, DeVito did not run away with the job. Now, granted, I don't think that at the time that Schrader was put in as QB1 this year, I, I didn't think that DeVito did enough to lose the job. But you saw Schrader come in and it led to some success. So something that Syracuse, you know, was doing with DeVito wasn't right still. Is it the coaching then, if that's the case? To, to an extent, but you can't put it all on the coaching. I mean, you had, a, you had a guy who didn't perform up to what he was expected to. What a bizarre offense, though, to never throw to a tight end. That is, that is true. That is bizarre. That is bizarre. But, they, I mean, I mean it's, it's obviously not that simple, but. No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it, of course. But, I mean, it, it's just. You know, did it's like the chicken or the egg. Did the quarterback come in and not perform, or did the system not really allow the quarterback to perform? Did did the coaching staff not make the right decisions at the key points in the game, though? This isn't like it happened yesterday. Yeah. This is a trend. Yep. This is a habit of this coaching staff led by Dino Babers, who also is offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But what what confidence are you showing? You've got players leaving left and right now, right? Yeah. You're, you're not making the decisions game after game after game to win. These players want to win football games. They're leaving. They're frustrated. They're exasperated. 
And they hear the press conferences. They hear the answers to these questions afterwards as well. QSportsTalk.com in the chat. I've seen this there. I've seen this on social media. I've had my own direct conversations with people. They're frustrated. Do they? Is he going to lose this team? And I defended him last year with a one-win season because circumstances led to the fact where you go, no, he didn't because you saw them fighting. And I'm not saying they're not trying right now, but you still have, I'm looking at five more games. Yeah. How does this play out? Another gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, frustrating, a loss ultimately due to a bad coaching decision or multiple ones throughout the course of the game at those key points that I alluded to. I know you have a slightly different opinion than I do, but that's what I see. And I'm generalizing. And yes, I'm, I'm giving you a passionate fan perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand your frustration. I understand there have been some questionable decisions, but... I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like this guy doesn't have the players ready to play and they're not in this game. At the end of the day, it also comes down to execution. I mean, are there some 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 questionable decisions from the coaching staff? Absolutely. But they're still in a position to win this game. Andre Schmidt misses a field goal you don't expect him to miss that could tie the game. Now, whether or not you're okay with the decision to go for a field goal there as opposed to trying to go for the win and keeping your offense on the field, that's one thing. But when you make the decision and then your players don't perform the way that you expect them to, I mean, how how can that be on the coach? How can that be on the coach? I mean, you have Andre Schmidt out there, 48 yards. The guy's a stud. He's the all-time leading scorer for your program. With momentum at that point in the game, why can't you give it to your running back who had 157 yards, correct me if I'm wrong on that number, to get two yards? How come you didn't have faith in this power-rushing attack in general, maybe that's when a play, you run a play and Garrett finally broke through that line yeah. for two yards. It's not it's not 12 you're looking for. It's not 15 you're looking for. It's not even eight. It's not seven. It's two yards. That's six feet. He's six feet five. Stand at the line of scrimmage and fall forward. <laughs> Put the ball out in front of you and obviously don't give it up. <laughs> Am I wrong to be frustrated, though? No, you're not wrong. I to mean, be... you're talking, you're walking me back off the ledge, but you're being an apologist, I think, Spencer. Uh, no, I'm not. Being... I, and I know that there's a lot of the fan base that's going to do the same thing and is probably on the same side of this as I am, but come on. I'm not, be, I'm not being an apologist. I'm not excusing certain decisions. Do I think that, that Babers should have went for it again? You know, when you have a makeable fourth down with only two yards to go where it's not fourth and long, it's not fourth and 20. Yeah, do I, do I think maybe you should start to go for it? Because you're clearly seeing that the conservative, appro- uh, conservative approach is not working. But at the same time, it's not all on his shoulders. What about the interception? Was that a key of the game? What about the fake punt? Was that a key in the game? Or was it the not going for it in that particular instance? Or was it simply that Andre Schmidt missed the field goal? Well, games are made up of moments. Right. And each moment builds that up. I don't think you can say that, a, that an interception or a fake punt earlier in the game was the deciding factor because ultimately at the end of the game, you had a chance to tie it on a field goal and you missed. I, I mean, I believe that you you couldn't have gone to Tommy. I'm, I'm on that side of that argument. I know there's differing opinions. But he was 17 for 37, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, you look at the numbers, they're in black and white. I mean, that's 20 passes that didn't connect. And, you know, the other problem is, um, to your point, I will give you this, the players have to make plays. There were drops. There were some drops mm-hmm. on some key plays. A, a few connections on passes in certain situations, and it completely obviously changes the outcome of the game. One play call affects the next play call. We know this. So it ultimately didn't work out, and it came down 
well, to how it came down. We lost by three again. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, there is a little bit of the players have to perform, but I, I just, do you want, are they in their heads though going, don't screw this up, don't screw this up? Is is there a concern that the coaching staff won't make the correct call at the end of a game or the correct choice at the end of a game? Is that something that factors in with players? Are they thinking about that during the course of a game? Especially because, as I said, it has become a habit, game after game after game now. Yeah. And you're not, ultimately, it's a different team. It's a different season. This team is way better than last year. But there is a mindset that infiltrates a program. And you're still coming off a one-win season. We're a bad program. We're a terrible program. Suddenly, we're a little bit better this year. And we still can't win some of these games. That is the most vulnerable Clemson team you're going to see Oh yeah, if you're playing them and you're Syracuse University, considering right now they're 12th overall in the ACC, and that's really good for them. Yeah. It is. Spencer, go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I certainly think that, you know, you get to this point and, and you start to have those doubts if you're a player. I, absolutely. I mean, again, you, you are three points away from being what? Six and one, five, five and two, as opposed to three and four. Is it the offensive line was good as far as blocking for the running game for Sean Tucker? Mm-hmm. Is it a better running offensive line than pass protecting offensive line? I know the answer to the question, but I'll put it out to you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they, they have not been able to hold them off long enough for a pass attack. They didn't connect on 20 passes. Schrader didn't connect on 20 passes, 17 out of 37, but he threw the ball to like nine different guys. Yeah. Does that factor in? Is, in other words, are some of these things building blocks that, and a point I made last night and we talked about, are they just not there yet? Or does it come back to, and you say no time and time again, coaching decisions. You're giving Dino right now the benefit of the doubt. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yes. You're right in saying that. Again, I'm not letting him off the hook. Totally. I, I think there are better decisions that need to be made. I think that at this point you're seeing that the conservative approach isn't working. you got to be a little bit more aggressive. But at the same time, I mean, again, there are some drops. When you have a guy like Garrett Schrader who's still working on his pa- the passing element of his game, you can't afford to drop passes that are right there for you. You can't afford to miss the opportunities like that. You know, you can't have your kicker, who is supposed to be one of the, if not the best kicker in the nation, and he has been the best kicker in the nation because he has an award to prove it, missing a 48, a 47-yard field goal that could tie the game. Well, I'm very happy that Sean Tucker is leading the nation in rushing with 948 yards. He's a Heisman favorite. He has to be, and he's got some merch that's on the way soon. I was also happy to read his tweet. I look forward to the Sean Tucker tweet. I'm sure many have. But on a positive note also, hey, the basketball team's got Malik Brown committed, so that was great. Uh, We heard that news. Uh, What else can I tell you was good? The crowd was good, 36,000. It was loud. Uh, Student section, Otto's Army showed up. Uh, That was fantastic. And you know what? I mean, Schrader got in the end zone with the legs. And Trevor Pena, that was awesome. I was very happy to see Trevor Pena be a player and make a play in that game. Anything else positive that you want to discuss before we go to our first break? Oh, well, let's, I mean, good weekend for the crunch and the Comets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Comets really showing up yesterday. I was very impressed, especially it being their first game, new team. They looked like they were in midseason form. And then you got, you know, the crunch who had, who had a great weekend with, you know, the rally uh, against the Monsters in, in the season opener. And then Jimmy Huntington. Had a great weekend. Four goals in two games. AHL Player of the Week. Yeah, that's right. Not too shabby. ESPN Radio Syracuse, the home of the crunch. Uh, it is K Rock, our brother station over in Utica. 
I am hosting Comets Insider this week. Lucas Favalli gets and takes care of you from the from the crunch side. But it, it's the it's the through a throwdown, and it's Ooh. on Saturday, the first I of many wait. matchups this Saturday. It's going to be good. We'll have a fun time talking about that. You are so going to make the crunch fans angry, and I'm going to be Switzerland. I'm going to be neutral and right down yeah, the middle. Yeah, that's that's nauseating. That's what I'll do that's, for that's you. That's worse. That's worse. I would rather you root against my team than you be neutral. That's just such a cop out. <laughs> and you spend so much time talking about the conservative approach with Babers. But you take you take the bait on it all the time. That's yeah. what they, we're talking Syracuse football there. That's a totally different conversation. <laughs> Don't try to point out a fact right there. I'm going to spin this man. <laughs> uh, that's Spencer Davidson. I'm Rain. This is Exit 31 ESPN Radio. Uh, uh, excuse me, QSportsTalk.com. I'll leave you with this thought in our opening segment. Purdue football had the best tweet of the weekend when yes. they said we just beat the number two out of Iowa. Amazing. Uh, That was fun. Amazing. We'll be right back. Hang on. This is Exit 31 with Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Listen to this. Mic check. Okay? Good. Here's your sports sound check. So, Rain is of the mindset that it all falls on Dino Baber's shoulders, the play calling, and the game management is not up to snuff, and I'm of the mentality that, yeah, of course, some better decisions need to be made, but ultimately it falls on the players to go out and perform. What side of the debate are you on? What side of the debate are you on? We want to hear in the QSports.com chat. But I I, I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about him, but, you know, we got to hear from from the man himself talking a little bit about his decision-making, talking a little bit about that three-point loss. Another three-point loss. That's three games straight. Why don't you have a special teams coach? (laughs) Riddle me that, Batman. Yeah. I I mean, just wondering. Just wondering. Uh, There's an interaction uh, about having a clock manager coach, too. Yeah. You hear that? You want to hear that? I'll play that for you. So I know some NFL teams have a designated person that works as a game clock manager or a game theory manager or something of that nature. Now, obviously, there's plenty of reasons that's not the case in college. And I guess, hypothetically speaking, is that something that you guys could benefit from? Like money aside, like those other things aside, um, someone to kind of look after those things and just those things? We actually have one of those. Okay. No. But no special teams coach. So there you go. Awkward. But do they? Awkward. Yeah. That they do. So they do have a clock management coach. Yeah. But no special teams coach. And that guy still has a job. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you put you put that on the players that and the coaching is, staff. That's the li- he's the head coach. That's the literal definition of dude. You had one job. Am I winning you back? What yet? happened last game? I not- love Dino. I love Dino. It's not personal. What wait? Just- what what happened last game though? Not the Clemson game. But what I, I don't know the clock management. I don't know. Were you satisfied with the post game answers after those games too? These last three losses in a row by three points with bad decisions by the coaching staff. Have I made my point yet, Spencer? Yeah, no, I mean, I got your point. I got your point. I, I don't want. I don't totally one hundred percent disagree. I just think that it's 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 a you're there's some gray area. There, you're a little too black and white with it. You're right. I am. I'm frustrated. Yeah, and that's all. And, and I guess I'm on that side of the fence. And you're being a little bit more reasonable today. Maybe maybe it's a Monday. Maybe I have a case of the Mondays. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a case of the Mondays every day. Uh, you want to know if he considered Devito, who now is no longer an option. Jacoby Morgan, and Jacoby and Morgan is the backup quarterback on the depth chart. Oh, I'm sure everybody knows that. If not, now you do. You know, I'm going to talk about the guys. I'm not going to bring up that Tommy stuff. You know, go again. We don't talk about Schrader when Tommy was out there playing. We didn't talk about Tommy, and we didn't talk about Devito when Tommy was out there playing, and we didn't talk Wait, about Tommy when Dungey was out there playing. So I'm not going to talk about that part. 
DeVito, Landon Morris, Jarvion Howard, Taj Harris, Cody Shear, brief transfer, remember him, mm-hmm. uh, gone. I think he was around for about maybe two weeks, yeah. roughly. Ben LeBros, out. Yep, transfer portal. All those guys. This is what makes me worried about the program. Because I think we have one more player that... Yeah, Ben LeBros is the one. He's not on the team, but he's not in the transfer portal yet. Right. Everybody else, he just left the program. Out. Yep. Uh, this is this is this is what bought, what what concerns me about the program is that it's always been, regardless of of what's happened, even through the the one and ten season, it's always been the guys still the guys would pl- want to play for Dino Babers. The guys want to play for him. They would run through a wall for him. He's a coach that you want to play for. Well, all of a sudden, you see all these guys transfer. So it's it's not enough anymore. It's not guys don't want to play for him no matter what. It's not enough. So I mean, yeah, is he losing? Is he losing the locker room? The viral, the viral video. If you remember, after that Clemson game, we just passed the four year anniversary. Was four years ago. Wow. And it hasn't been like that since. You have not felt one of those types of moments from Syracuse football in four years. You know what I want though. I want the feeling of we expected to win that game. We went out and we took care of business. I also haven't had that feeling in a very long time from Syracuse football. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Mm-hmm. In other words, we're listening to him just kind of uh, like we would hear from Dabo Swinney, for example, on a regular basis. This year's a little bit different, but in general, that's a, a perfect example of a coach that just talks about the win because they expected to win because they executed on every facet of the game we don't have those conversations with Syracuse football we just don't No, every every game is a grind every game has to come down to the wire if they're going to win I mean think about it we had we had a fun one after Albany but of course you're supposed to demolish Albany it's not even in the same weight class literally I mean come on but that's it I didn't have that feeling I'm like yeah okay it's it's the Albany game everybody felt that way I mean, Dino Base. They they said that they knew they were going to win that game like that. It was it wasn't even a competition. That was like the varsity play in the JV. We all know that. So where where do we get that back? How do we get that back? Well, Status quo. First of all, maintain no. what you're doing. Definitely not. Definitely not. First of all, and 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 this was actually a, a good point. Emless. Um, underscore D in the QSportsTalk.com chat said that Babers has zero excitement when he's speaking and he's not very positive about his team. You know, that that's a good point. Like, that's what I'm thinking. You know, there's just no fire from Dino anymore. You know what I mean? Like, he's such a he's such an emotional guy. Everybody's calling for me after yeah. I'm done this year to come on up here from LSU. Yeah, he, said Ogier on here. I thought I'd jump in on the conversation on X31 ESPN Radio. QSportsTalk.com. Just saw a little comment in there. Maybe I'll be the next coach up there in Syracuse. He'd fit in Central New York. You got to talk for a second. I got to get my voice back. Give me. A Although minute. if Ed Ogeron comes to Syracuse, then then Exit Thirty One needs to get you know Thursday night exclusives with him so that you can do Ed Ogeron versus Ed Ogeron. I man, I've been pissy today. I had, I realized I had to put a smile on my yeah. face. I had to get my frustration but, out. It's just football. I know that, but come on, this is what we're seeing. This is what's happening. This is reality. Yeah. We can't sugarcoat this anymore. And, and I sit here and I think about our guy, Orange Chuck, for example, who joins us from time to time. You see him on social media from inside the Loud House, and, and he's positive. But 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 he's realistic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want to be positive and, and think, but that was four games ago. And, and, and look at these last three. 
you know, you get you get punched in the gut one time. You don't want to get hit in the gut again. Yeah. And seven days later, you sign up to get hit in the gut again. Oh, and then seven days later, you did it again. Yeah. So, so what's next? Well, what, what do we do? What changes do we make? I mean, I know we've got Stephen Bailey with twenty four seven Sports up with the breakdown in our next segment, and we'll ask him that. But do you need a special teams coordinator? I would think. I mean, do you need? Dino to not be the offensive coordinator technically calling these plays. I understand Sterling Gilbert's there, but then is he the, is he the problem? I mean, Tony White, you know what? Rock star status for that guy. Yeah. Rock star status. This defense, this defense, is, this defense yeah. is keeping them in games. There is some legitimate NFL talent on this field for Syracuse, and it's hard to recruit here. But results, positive results, wins have to start happening. You know what I mean? You beat Liberty and you beat Ohio. And you beat yeah, Albany. Albany, but we're in the ACC now, yep. and we can't win those games. How can I say that? Because we haven't won those games. So what do you do, Spencer? If if I had the perform answers, players, if I if I had the answers, I would be making a lot more money to be making those decisions. We already know what we need to do. We need to get me up in there, <laughs> Syracuse. Imagine me saying Syracuse like that's you. Now that's going to be some fun. At least the post game press conferences will be a little bit more exciting, won't they? Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, oh, we played like crap. We got to do better. I mean, I how would he? How would he say like, you know, like very happy to be a part of the Orange family. I'm very happy to be part of the Syracuse Orange family. Love that. After LSU, this is my dream job. <laughs> I played there. <laughs> Spent a long time there. Yeah. But after that, yeah. Did, did Marone say that a few years ago, too, before he left for the Bills? I think he did. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be names. He, he's one of many. I, I mean, you're seeing that. I've seen that a lot, not just in the last few minutes, QSportsTalk.com. I've seen that a lot. I mean, do you bring somebody else in? Are we riding the string out with Dino and the inevitable is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely finishing the year. What if he wins? What if What if they win the next five games? Okay. Then I don't know how it, plausible that is. It might be a pipe dream, but what if they do? What if they win four of five? Cha- changes the narrative. Changes the narrative completely. Does it give him a pass? Well, if you, if do you, you, you get forget s- everything that you've seen? If you get to six wins and you're bowl eligible, yeah, all's going to be forgotten. You're coming off a one in ten when you're coming off a one in ten season. Then he's back next year. Yeah, because that was the end goal, right? Get get to six wins this year, no matter how what which games in which weeks you win them. As long as you get to six W's by the end, you're good to go next year. That's where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. That, you get. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing. You're you're coming off a a, a nightmare season, a, an absolute nightmare season. It doesn't have to be pretty. You said it. You said it earlier. It's results driven. If you get to six wins, you get bowl eligible. I, I mean, you can't ask for you can't ask for much more coming off a one in ten wins, a one in ten season. I don't know why I keep saying one in ten wins. Season. Syracuse University, John Wildeck, and everybody else there. The decision makers are going. Decision makers are going to do what they want to do mm-hmm. in the athletics department. Uh, but are you gonna are you gonna satisfy the fan base with that? Is the fan base gonna forgive and forget? If you get six wins and you're bowl eligible, is that all it is? Is it that yes. simple? Yes. Okay. If you get, if you get to, you're telling me if you get to six wins and you end up winning a bowl game, you, you don't, you don't think the fans are going to be. You think the fans are still going to be calling for the coach to be fired? How loud is it right now? Think about yeah, that. It's loud right now because the team just lost three straight. So, you weren't hearing this after the team won three, and regardless of the opponents. And you're ready to wash, rinse, and repeat the same conversation again next year. Kind of similar to the conversations we've had for 
over 45 years, year after year after year. Say, it's Jim Beheim. So. It's sports, man. Yeah, it's this kind is, of fun. This is what it is. It's sports. You talk about the same stuff over and over again because we're all insane. All right. Hellray at QSportsTalk.com says if they win, if they get the six wins, dot, 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 and now we wait, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. I What's think, the follow-up? I, I, I want to know no, what it is. No, I don't is. know if there's a follow-up. I think he's saying that this that what you what we're talking about is all if they get to six wins. So six wins is it, then, so I, as you I, said. I would, I would think, and, and correct me, anybody in the QSportsTalk.com chat, if I'm wrong, but if the team gets to six wins and has a chance to win a bowl game, does that not does is that not a satisfying season coming off one and ten? All right, they can discuss in there. It's Exit 31 on ESPN Radio. I will close out sound check. <laughs> we played two pieces, and we got off on a tangent in conversation. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, but Dino did, hey, he saw the fake punt coming. So, mm-hmm. so we've got that going for us. Here's that answer. You saw my defense out there, right? Okay, normally on a punt, the punt return team comes out. But on that one, our punt return team did not come out. Our defense was out there with one guy back as the safety. Our punt return went out, but the rest of our defense was out there. So the answer to your question is yes. That's why I left my defense out there. Well, you saw the outcome of the play. If our defense couldn't stop it, our punt return team sure in the heck wouldn't have stopped it. So it's armchair quarterback second-guessing Monday on X31 and ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Breakdown is next with Stephen Bailey at 24-7 Sports. Keep it locked. we got some great questions for him. Are you ready? This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Stephen Bailey with the breakdown from 24-7 Sports here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Byline from Stephen Bailey. Syracuse linebacker Strive versus Clemson, but Tigers neutralized Garrett Schrader's legs. And your PFF grades and your snap counts will follow. So, uh, dissect all of that a little bit more for us, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse's linebackers, Michael Jones and Stephon Thompson in particular, graded out really highly. I mean, neither guy missed a tackle. Uh, and they both, I think, were came, came close to double digits. So, it, you know, Syracuse won a lot on early downs. They stopped the run, and you know, and obviously Clemson's offense has some serious issues <laughs> this year, but I still think, you know, they were coming off a bye, and, uh, and you know, Syracuse, they, they held them to 17 points. That's that's good. That's definitely, you know, I think enough to, to beat most teams, and the linebacks are at the heart of it. But Syracuse couldn't move the ball, and, and the biggest difference this week compared to the three previous games, Garrett Schrader really wasn't able to produce on the ground um, you know, Clemson accounted for him in standard running situations, which which we've seen other teams do. Florida State did that. Garrett Schrader beat the Reed man a number of times on, on the RPOs, you know, usually a defensive end. Uh, Clemson, the personnel, I think, played a little better in those situations. But I think the biggest thing was in scrambling situations, you know, the, the, the perimeter runs weren't there. You know, there was a lot of um, underneath zone defense, where you saw Wake Forest play a lot of two-man and passing downs where you have two high safeties and man coverage on the outside. So if you run vertical vertical routes, that space opens up for a quarterback to kind of immediately tuck and run if you feel like you know what the defense is going to do. I mean, Clemson was taking away that space, be it through coverage or, you know, in a combination for, for how the defenders in the box played. So, you know, to me, that's, that's the recipe for trying to stop the Syracuse defense. And – uh, barring the emergence of a passing game, the way you stop it is Sean Tucker. And if you're going to say, all right, we're going to put a man on Schrader, well, then that means everyone else needs to win, and, and Sean makes a guy miss. And, and he was able to do that twice on those breakaway runs. That space is there. 
in part because Clemson is, is understands what Schrader can do. Stephen, so Schrader couldn't get anything going with the legs, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, obviously, Sean Tucker, the off, the offense runs through him. But, you know, the reason why Schrader is largely in these games is because of the fact that he is the dual threat, more with the legs. But he gives you the, the opportunity to be able to flush out of the pocket and run. So but that being said, if that aspect of the game isn't there, should Dino have brought Tommy in? Does Does that prevent what we, you know, the news that we saw at la- last night with now Tommy's gone? Does he bring in Tommy to get that different look? Do you think he made the right decision by trying to force it with Trader in there? Yeah, I mean, who's to say, right? I think I think any reasonable person would have considered using Tommy DeVito there. Mm-hmm. Dino didn't say it, but I mean, I'm sure he did. He said he talked to Tommy about the game and um, basically only said during his press conference he felt Garrett gave him the best chance of winning. So, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that bringing Tommy in would have been a, would have been a reasonable move. Um, I mean, would they have won the game? You know, who's to say? Garrett certainly eluded some pressures and extended plays, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe Tommy's not able to do that, but but certainly you have a better chance of hitting on the downfield passes if the time and space is there. And if the receivers catch the ball. There were four drops, you know, against Clemson. So that's <laughs> you know, that's not necessarily there's, there's a multitude of factors, and that that one certainly doesn't help. Um, you know, would that have prevented Tommy from entering the transfer portal? I don't know. I think that's probably a stretch. You know, I mean, Dino, it's hard, right? Because over the last four weeks, Dino hasn't really sort of done anything that would indicate that he's he's open to the idea of Tommy being the primary guy, you know, running some, some of the veer and shoot stuff they have and, and trying to build things around him a little bit. It's been consistently Sean Tucker and Gil Schrader and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty firm pivot. So, you know, I think it's, it's just not a place where Tommy's going to succeed. I'm not, I was not surprised at all to see him enter the transfer portal. Um, I don't know if we'll probably get into it, but I think it makes sense to do it at this stage, especially for a quarterback. Um, so, you know, I, the, only, the only way to me that, to, to prevent that is if Tommy's starting games and, and things are going well. And, uh, you know, Dino really never, never committed to, to doing that this year. Our breakdown with Stephen Bailey at 24-7 Sports. It's Exit 31 on ESPN Radio or QSportsTalk.com. I look in the chat there, and uh, I guess very tongue-in-cheek, the question, so what changes or how do things change and how does it affect recruiting when we have uh, Dino Babers not the coach of Syracuse anymore next year? Because clearly they're bringing in Ed Ogeron next, right? <laughs> and and that's definitely going to benefit recruiting. Uh, no, and I mean, even if you go to 24-7 Sports, uh, CBW sent me the rankings from over the last 10 years and where Syracuse falls, and it's generally not been good. And and what do you make of all that? You mean in terms of recruiting? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I mean, Syracuse, I think this is Syracuse where, is where they're going to be recruiting-wise. I, mean, it's, I would say marginally better. Than, uh, than the Scott Schaefer era. But, I mean, it's, whoever comes here is going to work with those, you know, limitations. Like, you're, you know, maybe you bring in some kind of high-profile coach and pay him a bunch of money and you get a small bump. But, I mean, no natural recruiting territory. Don't have any recent history of winning. Um, you know, you've put a few guys in the league, but not many. I mean, compared to the, the peer schools, it's not like that's something you can lean on. So you're selling your academic reputation and a chance to play in the ACC, and now, you know, Dino Babers was pitching that high-powered passing game he had in the past, and I asked him today, you know, how does 
how do you go and pitch to me quarterbacks and receivers? That's the big one, right? And shoot, well, running back, you see what John Tucker's doing? Yeah, I'll take the ball 20 times. And offensive linemen, you know, most of them really like run blocking. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a painting with a broad brush. But I think you're going to be able to find linemen who want to come in, uh, you know, based on what they're seeing schematically this year. But when you go to quarterbacks and receivers, it's a tough sell. And, I, and you know, Dino basically said it's, you know he's gonna he's gonna put together the plan based on the players he has. And, you know he would tell that to any recruit, and um, you know he pointed to a guy like Russell Wilson. You know and how he would explain this to recruits: a guy like Russell Wilson leaving NC State to go to Wisconsin uh, after Mike Glennon beat him out, and then being being part of a kind of a rush every team and making it to the NFL. So I guess the idea that you don't need the perfect fit to. Um, to reach your goals if you're if you're good enough and you know you do things a certain way but i mean yeah i i I have serious questions about the long-term viability uh of this plan steven uh we saw a lot of questionable calls uh questionable decisions over the past few weeks uh maybe being a little bit too too conservative uh and and playing not to lose instead of playing to win uh do you think that Ultimately, it comes down to the players executing on the field. Rain and I have been kind of debating how much of this falls on the head coach's shoulders, on Dino Baber's shoulders. You know, is it his management of the game? Or at the end of the day, I mean, I'm of the mindset, look, regardless of what was said or done, they still had a chance to tie or win this game at the end. They were still right there. So how much do you put on the players and how much do you put on the coach? Yeah, I mean, there's a mix. I mean... The Wake Forest game, I think especially, it's it's reasonable to, um, you know, to criticize the coaching staff. And, look, they, Andre Schmidt makes the, the was a 40-yard field goal that he missed midway through the fourth quarter. He makes that, maybe a win. You know, or Wake Forest makes a mistake or, um, you know, there's all kinds of it. It's, it's, it's not like Syracuse have lost that game because of the decisions Dino Babers made, but maybe they could have wanted it to make different decisions. Um, you know, to me – to me, Dino kind of he was kind of asked about his Indian decision making, what resources he has. He said he has he has a staff member, you know, in his ear uh, during games that gives him some of the numbers. But he basically said, you know, if you always go with the numbers, you're you're a clone. I think you need to be able to make a gut decision. So I asked him, well, how often do you feel like you go with the numbers? And he said he couldn't say. So <laughs> you know, I think I think it's clear he's. He's certainly not bought into the idea that um, that numbers outweigh emotion, right? And that's like the whole kind of thing. Like if you're an analytics guy, it's like you want to wipe all of that away and just look at the numbers. But you got a head coach that says, "Oh, I made this decision because of momentum." Uh, if you if you're an analytics guy, you don't believe in momentum. <laughs> you believe, you believe in percentages. If he believes in momentum, then why doesn't he go for it when he's in these situations with fourth and short to put them in a position to win the game? That that's it's contradictory. Definitely got some risk averse decisions in terms of in terms of picking up fourth and short. Um, you know, I think I would guess part of it comes from having a limited offense, right? Like you're predictable. Sure. It's fourth and short. They're trying to run the ball. They're not passing the ball. They're, maybe they roll you know, you roll straight or out. So um But then you psychologically yeah, wipe out any confidence that you have built up in your team when you continuously do that. You ride them and ride sure. them and ride them and ride them, and then you get to the critical point of or play of the game, and then you go, nope, you know what? We're not going to do what got us here anymore because I don't think you guys can finish this off and seal the deal. Listen, uh, I have one last question for you. 
Um, yeah, I'm a little frustrated today. Yeah. I'm being that guy He's having a case of the Monday. You should see this. He's charged up today. Stephen Bailey, 24-7 Sports here with us on ESPN Radio and Exit 31. Does the team need a special teams coordinator? Oh, need? No. They could definitely use one. I mean, it's just you, you get, I think it's 10 full-time staff members. You've got to divvy them up the best way you can. And I guess that without knowing exactly what the deal is, you got a head coach who has to decide how he wants to, to do that. And, um, you know, Dino basically said in an ideal world, he would have a special team score there and kind of intimated that would probably be coming back in, you know, I don't know if next year or, you know, that that's, he says come into a theater near you or, you know, he says that sometimes. So I don't know exactly what that means, but <laughs> I guess they'll have a special teams coordinator at some point. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad. <laughs> like the special teams are bad this year. I don't know how much of it's on the coaching and how much of it's on, like is it is it is it the coach's fault that the holder didn't spin the ball on the on the game tying attempt? Like I don't know. <laughs> like you'd think if you hold, I mean I don't know. I'm going to talk to the holder, right? I don't know. You you would think it probably not. That's an execution type thing. Mm-hmm. Your punters your punters injured, but you know you have a you penalties and um, you know maybe you know you have a punt blocked against Rutgers. Um, you know, alignment issues that lead to penalties. There's certainly, at the very least, there are some things to tie back to coaching. And, yeah, I mean, they, they miss Justin Lustig, who, despite also being the outside receivers coach, did a really good job of, of getting all the special teams phases prepared. Steven, thank you very much. We'll do this again on Friday. I was supposed to take a break about two minutes ago. That's uh, my apologies to the glue guy. We'll do that right now. Exit 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. I will explain to you the three-headed monster that has rain all frustrated today. Mm. And we'll do that next in your Killing Me Smalls. Hang on. You're Killing Me Smalls. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls. I'm telling you, I can take that. I, I can take that program. I'm at Ogeron, and I'm not going to be at LSU next year. I can take that program. Uh, we just got a phone call, forgot to get his name during the break. You might have heard that at QSportsTalk.com. Now that we're back on the radio, I apologize we didn't get your name. Listen, you call in any time you want. Sometimes we take calls, sometimes we don't. These guys encourage me uh, to take some phone calls, aside from the ones that we schedule. And Glue Guy's always reminding me that I need to stay on time. Um, just owned me during the break. Another reason here in... The middle of October to subscribe to QSportsTalk.com. I mean, he owned you. He crushed me. I mean, he crushed me. I'm surprised that you that you're even able to to speak after it that. Hurts. Yeah. What did I do to you, man? Yeah. Oh, I, haven't was... to, I haven't talked about the Patriots today. That's the problem. Nah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a little frustrated with Syracuse football, right? You think? Um, of course, our caller was talking about the Tommy DeVito situation. We we do feel bad for him, and, and yeah, it was a tough set of circumstances. It didn't pan out, but I mean, the offensive line has been you know, pretty crappy. I, I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, needless to say, so I'm frustrated about that. I'm frustrated because I have to watch, and we'll get into this in the kerfuffle a little bit more in a few minutes, but the Yankees lose the wild card game, and then you got to watch the Astros and the Red Sox of all teams move on because Tampa, I don't know what happened to them. They did not fulfill their regular season promise, so that's why we're all rooting for the Braves to ultimately beat the Astros after they beat the Red Sox. That's neither here nor there. So I'm frustrated with those two teams. Let's put it that way. My Yankees and Syracuse Orange. But then I've got to look at my Giants. So this is the third of the three-headed monster I was telling you about. This is what's killed me, Smalls. The Giants. Period. They're the worst (laughs) team in football for the the past five years. They suck at everything. And I'm done. They stink. The numbers back it up. I'm not going to laundry list for you 
the stats on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively for the New York football giants. Okay. And I, I, uh, I, I can't do it, but I gave them to you. I'm, I'm frustrated. See, now it's rearing its ugly head. Mm. This is the third one, Spencer. I see the steam coming up from I, your head. But I gave you those numbers. I gave you metrics. We were talking about going with your gut and, and the analytics and, and, and the metrics that you can base some of your gut decisions on. The analytics are terrible for the Giants. Glue guy, before Spencer got here today, did I not share those numbers with you? Yes, you did. What were they? Uh, mediocre at best. At, not even close. They were bottom of the barrel. Twenty mm. fourth, twenty fifth in the league in almost you every had a category. Set is that in there? Yeah. Oh, congratulations! That's that, awesome. But that was the outlier. <laughs> That's correct. I, I mean, I'm rattling these numbers off. I'm like, and what does this mean? They're, They're bad. Yeah. They're just bad. Bill Parcells said, "You are what your record says you are." And you know what their record has said for the past five seasons in the NFL for the New York Football Giants? They're the worst team in the league. And they are. And I can't. As a a Giants fan, I can't spin it any other way. Mm -hmm. So as a result, and the outcry is there again, it is time. It is past time. It should have happened already. He should not be the GM right now of the Giants. Dave Gettleman has got to go. You want to talk about a guy who won't even consider analytics for everything? I don't think you need to go 100%. And I don't like that. I like the balance. Mm -hmm. You have the information available Consume the information, then make your decisions. And I'm fine with that. But there's none of that with Dave Gettleman. And that doesn't work in the modern sports world, let alone in the NFL. And Jason Garrett, I got I got scolded by our guy John Schmelk, who will be on with us on Friday to talk about the Giants from Giants.com. But he's he's bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you seeing success out of Daniel Jones? I know everybody's hurt. I get it. I get it. Kadarius Tony and you know um Galladay and blah, blah, blah. They're all hurt. Saquon's out again. It's frustrating. They've had offensive line issues. But come on. He's not the guy. You want to talk about conservative? Oh, but he, he ran this, you know, a reverse on this one play. That was on a, So what? In general, his play calling is terrible. He was a bad head coach with Dallas. He's gone. Look at him now. They're winning because they have a great team and a great roster, not necessarily because their coach is any good either. McCarthy. <laughs> is he going to mismanage something? I feel bad for this. This might be, your, might be the year for them boys. And I got to live with that, too. And on top of that, who's the best team in my division? The Dallas Cowboys, the team I like the least within it. And there you go. That's what's killing me, Smalls. Wow. Wow. You got anything to say? Tell us how you really feel. You don't don't care, do you? Well, I I mean, for me, it was was a fantastic weekend because (laughs) it was the best weekend of the NFL season for us Jets fans. Jets bye week. uh, we didn't have to. We didn't have to watch the Jets lose, and so for you, it was a frustrating week. And I'm sitting here, and for once, it's not me being the one frustrated. It's nice to be able to kind of just watch somebody else implode a little bit. They literally didn't play, so you couldn't get frustrated with right, your football. Exactly. Game. It's like it's like the team's on vacation. I'm on vacation. You're loving this. I'm loving it. He's loving this. I'm loving it. You know, I needed I needed to refresh a little bit. I needed this bye week to kind of recharge after the first you know few games of the season for the Jets. You found serenity, and I found. Frustration. I spent the whole weekend meditating. All right, let's close this out. You're killing me, Smalls. Up next, we go behind enemy lines with Will Vandevort with Clemson Insider. We are going to get their perspective on another loss by three points. X31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. This means war. Rain and WKTV sports director Spencer Davidson go behind enemy lines. This means war. Oh, poof. A war. How dare you call me crazy? This means war! 
This means war. This means intense conflict. It's not the same. This is Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I think they're handling like young people. They're disappointed, just like the older people are disappointed. But just like older people, okay, when you acquire when you acquire knowledge, which is the power. You understand that sometimes things don't work out exactly the way you want to work out when you're 60 and 56 and 54. You understand that stuff. When you're 18 and 19 and 21, you want to hit reset and start not start all over again on that game and not kind of struggle through the tough times. The tough times is what makes you. Okay, all the grass is being grown in the valley. It's not grown on top of the mountain. And like I said, we're gonna we're gonna rebound from this, and it's gonna make these guys better, stronger, faster whether it's on the football field or their family endeavors or their job endeavors down the road. Difficult times is when people grow up. I want all these analogies, these platitudes. I want all of this to be true. I want this to be true. I want them to win five in a row or mm-hmm. four in a row. I want them to be, get me. you know what, six wins. Okay, get yeah. me bowl eligible. I want that to happen. And if he comes back, I want him to build off of that next year. But what's what's the benchmark then? Do you have to get to eight or nine wins next year yeah. if if that happens? Can yep. that happen? But I'm just, it's, I don't know even if it's so much Dino. It's, it's, you know what? It's a sucky situation to have to be him after these games and to go answer these types of questions about another gut-wrenching loss, not just in the past three weeks, but last year was tough to get through as well. It's been a couple of years of it cannot be fun to have to face the music, if you will, Week after week after week after week after week, season after season, and a couple in a row, that's going to get to anybody. He well, wants to have different conversations, too, and I understand that, Spencer. Well, yeah, but then you got to show the results. I mean, you're going to have to keep answering these questions if this is what keeps happening. <laughs> Wait, I'm on one side, first hour, you're on the other, and now we flip-flopped here. Well, no, I mean, I'm still of the same <laughs> mindset, but I'm just saying, if, if I mean, it's very simple. Winning heals everything. If you don't want to have to continue to answer these questions, win. Now, is that it's much easier said than done, but I mean, I just don't understand. You like he's so good at coming up with these analogies out of nowhere, and and honestly, I really think he needs to capitalize on that. And whatever happens to him here at Syracuse, he needs to come out with a book of Baberisms, Baberisms, Baberisms. But but I just don't understand. I don't understand how you can think so well on the fly when you're talking to the press and you come up with these great analogies, but. Thinking on the fly when you're on the sidelines, yeah, you isn't know, as, isn't isn't nearly as good. Melissa was in the chat at QSportsTalk.com a little earlier, and she had brought up how he went for it on fourth and seven. But what? And because I had said to the effect of why is there no testicular fortitude, and mm-hmm. why didn't you go for it on the fourth and two or in the previous game? We've we've discussed that play as well, obviously. Uh, why in those situations? You know, and you talk about momentum and going with your gut when you're just plugging along mm-hmm. and you have, no, not Garrett Schrader yesterday, but traditionally, since he's been the starter, you have, and you have Sean Tucker, who's leading the nation in rushing. Do you not feel at that critical point on that critical play that you can't get those two yards? And it's been a fourth and two a couple of weeks in mm-hmm. a row that has been an issue where they didn't go for it. And and I'm like, I, I, I understand the back and forth of the conversations. It's just a frustrating thing. Uh, as we wait for Will Vandevort with Clemson Insider to hopefully ring through, he had agreed to join us for Behind Enemy Lines on Exit 31 here on ESPN Radio. I will pose a question to you, and if he does join us, you can then ask him 
but I'm going to ask Spencer a question that he wanted to ask Will. Did Clemson win the game or did Syracuse lose? I know you probably thought through the scenarios before you decided that you wanted to ask him that, but I wonder what your thoughts are. I, I think Syracuse lost. I think Syracuse beat themselves. Would you say the same thing the previous week against Wake Forest? Yes, I would. It, it comes down to the end of the game to execution, the team not performing. You had a chance. You were there on the doorstep. Regardless of whether or not Dino Babers made the decision to go for it on fourth and two or try to kick the field goal, play him a little more conservatively, and tie the game. You need me. Yeah. You need me. The, the fact remains is that you didn't get it done. A missed field goal by Andre Schmidt. I won the national championship two years ago, and I'm out of there. Yeah. And LSU will be available to so coach that, next I mean, year. That concerns me. So what, Ed Ogeron comes here and all of a sudden the, the program is going to be better for years and years? I'm not saying it's Ed Ogeron, but do you have to at least, your due diligence is to investigate some options in the offseason, right? Yes, yeah, but again. Or is six wins going to get Dino, or is going to keep Dino in the job next year? Yes, six, six wins and a bowl. He deserves a bowl that. game. Six wins in a bowl game, especially if you win the bowl game. But six wins in a bowl game, and Dino Babers is absolutely the head coach of Syracuse next year. So you you said Syracuse lost that game. And you're not putting it entirely on Dino. I'm not putting it entirely on Dino. The players didn't execute at the end of the game. But let's face it, Syracuse was there. They held Clemson to 17 points. They had a chance, and they didn't take it. So that brings us back to something I had said in our number one of Exit 31, and I was going to ask Will Vandevoort here behind enemy lines. Um, You know what? And if we can't get him today, we'll try to reschedule him for tomorrow. We want to talk to him. I want to get a Clemson perspective Mm -hmm. on this game Mm -hmm. to your point. But, uh, you know, Dabo said, (laughs) I got to force myself to say Dabo and not Dino. Dino, yeah. (laughs) Those aren't ordinary traditional names. Uh, But Neil, see, Dabo Swinney had said they're not much different than us. And I wanted to ask if he thought, if Will thought he was right Mm -hmm. in that assessment of Syracuse. And ultimately... At least for this game, you know, we're, I'm getting all over Syracuse, but Clemson was not exactly spectacular. No. Ugilele wasn't great. You know, he wasn't accurate. They didn't catch a lot of footballs, a lot of incomplete passes. They didn't overmatch us defensively. Yeah, they were a little banged up, and I understand they are just a team that is loaded with talent. Mm-hmm. Next man up, they have that. They have talent in places below your starting lineup on either side of the ball that Syracuse just ultimately does not have. But at the end of the day, they were pretty evenly matched teams yesterday. So do I have to flip my mindset and look at that as it's a positive? Is Dino right? Maybe they're getting there or they're almost there, but they're not there yet. Or am I being a homer and apologist when I say that? No, I, I, think, I, I think you're right. I, I think they are. I mean, again, I want them you know, to be. We're still, we're still seeing Garrett Schrader develop. We're still seeing him develop a passing game. You know, we are. We're, we now have a, you know a younger wide receiver core. We lost our our kind of elder statesman to the transfer portal, so we're a younger wide receiver core. You saw some mental mistakes. You saw some drops. Yeah, they're just not there yet. Now, granted, I, do I think this team should be a five hundred football team? No, based on what I saw the first few weeks of the season. Again, I understand it was against lesser opponents, but what I saw from Syracuse, just watching the Syracuse side. I was optimistic. Is that Will? I think we have Will Vandevoort. Well, we got you. Yeah, this is him. 
Hey, Will, yeah, how are you? Me. Uh, we're, we're running up against the clock. we got to take a break, but we'll buy you a couple of extra minutes here. Uh, two quick questions for us. I'm going to let Spencer go first. We've already been discussing them. Go ahead. This is Will Vandervoort from Clemson Insider Behind Enemy Lines. Yeah, Will, you know, we were, we were discussing whether or not, you know, really uh, from, from, from our perspective as, as on the Syracuse side of things, whether or not this was Clemson really won this game or did Syracuse lose this game? I want to know from the Clemson perspective, do you feel that the Tigers really took control of this game or do you feel that Syracuse missed opportunities and ultimately they lost the game more so than Clemson earned the win? Um, I think at the end there, Syracuse lost a golden opportunity, I think, if they make that field goal and it goes into overtime. I thought Clemson's defense was tiring out, um, and I thought at that point Syracuse probably would could win the game if it went into overtime. Um, I really believe that. So I would say that's where – I would say neither team had control of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just wasn't that way. I thought Clemson's defense did a good job adjusting in the second half um, and really kind of stopping the running game. Um, especially Tucker, um, really kind of controlled him in the second half. Uh, and so and I, I was surprised that they waited till that long to do it. I thought they would come in more to shut him down, but they, they really came in more to shut Garrett down than, than, than Tucker. Um, and they did that with Garrett. And then, But once they realized, okay, he's not, a, he's not a threat to them in the running game, that's when you saw him t- put focus on Tucker and then put, put the ball in Garrett's hands. Um, and see if he can win the game throwing the ball, which they felt real good he couldn't do that. So they did a good job of that in the second half, not so much in the first half. But Syracuse um, had an opportunity there to tie the game at the end, and um, you know that that's where they really blew it. So, yeah, I mean, I can get that just of it, definitely. Will Vandevoort with Clemson Insider here on Exit 31. It's ESPN Radio. All right, got one more for you. Dabo said they're not much different than us in reference to Syracuse. When it's all said and mm-hmm. done here and Syracuse – lost that game, was Dabo right? Well, yeah, I mean, the, Syracuse had a chance to win the game, so it tells you they're not as far behind as people maybe thought. I, Clemson, look, Clemson still got way more talent than everybody in the ACC. That's just, I mean, look at the recruiting. tells you that, but they're not playing well in their injury. You know, they only brought 65 guys with them to Syracuse the other day because they got – so that Dabo said they had 14 guys – that uh, didn't make the trip because of injuries, um, and that's that's a lot uh, for you know. So Clemson's depth is allowing them to stay afloat right now, uh, obviously, but they're not performing um, on offense the way they should be, especially at the wide receiver positions. Davos had had five drops um, the other day. So, um, but when you look at Syracuse and, and Clemson, as far as Clemson's lost uh, one, how many games now they've won four games by um, a touchdown or less. Um, and then Syracuse, and Syracuse is the exact opposite. So when you look at it, Clemson could easily well, and I wrote this in my Monday morning quarterback, Clemson could easily be one and five right now um, as, instead of four and two. Um, and I think Syracuse the same way. Instead of being three and four, um, they could easily be, you know, the other or three and three, they could easily be the other way around, you know. So, you know, that's just the way get football goes. Right now Clemson's finding ways to win. Um, that's kind of the, the kind of the program they've been. I think Syracuse is trying to figure out how to win those games. Will, thank you so much for the time. We got. I really think we got to get a full segment with him. Will, we might be contacting you to chat with us again tomorrow, and we'll work out the Man, time. First of all, yeah. I want to apologize because I had my phone off because of our press conferences we were doing today, and I just didn't hear it. And I, I apologize, guys. No, I, we, right when I saw your message, I was like, "Oh my gosh, let me get on this." I'm gonna have. So, uh, gl- I apologize. No, 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 no apology necessary. Glue guy is gonna reach out to you. We got to get a, fu- a full dissection of this game. Maybe we can work that in 
uh, to tomorrow. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, though, right now. It is actually 31 on ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. With the Bills playing Monday Night Football tonight against the Tennessee Titans, we're going to have a conversation with Syracuse.com beat reporter Matt Perino next. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Joined now by Buffalo Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com, the one and only Matt Perino. Uh, glad to have you back here on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. In our correspondence a little bit earlier today, uh, you're going back and forth with Ryan Talbot, and you guys were sending some Bills, uh, some stats on the Bills traveling really well. There's a lot of Bills mafia in Tennessee tonight for this Monday night football game. Tell us a little bit more, Matt. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ryan put up a post, and it's looking like it's going to be, it's trending towards like almost nearly 60% inside the stadium tonight's going to be Bills Mafia, wow. which is just unbelievable. I mean, I've been out in town the last couple of nights. Last night we, we were on Broadway, and uh, we did a, I actually did my show, my, pod, my preview podcast from Broadway yesterday, so I was there throughout the day. And it's a lot like two years ago when I remember it. You know, it, just Bills fans everywhere, Josh Allen jer- jerseys littered, all across Broadway, and you know this has become like a second home for for Buffalo Bills fans. They really love Nashville. They love the the party scene here, and they love the the game atmosphere. So it should be uh, exciting to see what it's like in the building tonight. Let's take care of an up to the minute injury report because I think that's going to be one of one of the key factors in the game. Obviously, kind of kind of crazy to say that when the Bills are playing. As good as, if not better than anybody in the league. Uh, but who are we looking at being in and out of the lineup tonight of concern? There's nobody that's going to be out of the lineup for the Bills, which is just unheard of this time of year. No injury designations. Um, but the one, uh, you know, Christian Fulton's already been ruled out uh, cornerback for Tennessee, which, you know, going against this Bills offense is never good. And, you know, yesterday, a late addition to the injury report was A.J. Brown. Uh, who is dealing with an illness and listed as questionable. So that's a that would be a huge loss for the Titans trying to keep up with this Bills offense tonight and going up against a defense that's leading the league in turnovers going into this week. Uh, so if he this was supposed to be the second game this year uh, through six weeks that A.J. Brown and, and Julio Jones got to actually suit up and play together. So if, if Brown can't be out there, who's had some pretty decent games against the Bills, here early in his career that's a huge blow and already Ryan Tannehill is just you know he's, he, he hasn't been as good as, he, as he's been the last couple of years he's, he's facing a lot of pressure he leads the league in in sacks at 20 coming into this week behind an offensive line it's just not getting the job done and this Bill's defensive line is is getting after the quarterback they rank fifth in the NFL in pressure rate so um, a lot of things to watch there but the Bills are healthy and the, the big storyline for me for this game is you go back to last season when the Titans put it on the Bills, forty-two to sixteen in this building. They weren't. They didn't have Tre'Davious White. They're all pro corner. Levi Wallace, their other starting corner. Matt Milano and Star Latoule, who's been arguably their best defensive lineman this year. He opted out last year because of COVID. So the Tennessee Titans are going to face a completely different Bills defense this time around. Matt, who does, who's been the biggest surprise of the season so far? You know, a player stepping up, somebody that kind of caught your eye. You know, is it, is, it, is it Rousseau? Is it Epinesa? I mean, is it somebody else? Just who has been kind of an emerging player for the Bills this year that maybe you didn't expect, you know, in the preseason? I, I kind of started to see some flashes from Rousseau in the preseason and training camp. Um, so what he's done hasn't shocked me, I guess. I, I was higher on Dawson Knox than most, the Bills' tight end. But what he's done to start the season, you know, leading the NFL in touchdown receptions uh, for tight ends through five weeks and just being that reliable target 
week in and week out consistently for Josh Allen as the receiving core is kind of, you know, played hot potato a little bit, you know, depending on the week, who was going to be the guy that had the big game. Emmanuel Sanders had a big game. Diggs had a big game. Cole Beasley was like three weeks ago. But Dawson Knox has consistently been getting production, getting targets. And he's uh, he's become the the weapon that maybe is going to unlock this Bills offense a little bit more for offensive coordinator Brian Dable in terms of what he can scheme up. We saw last year the Bills absolutely take the league by storm in the regular season. Historic numbers, Josh Allen second in MVP voting. But when it got to the playoffs, I feel like defensive coordinators really – uh, you know, tighten the screws a little bit, made things dip more difficult for this offense. Now, I feel like with how many playmakers that they have, their ability to run the football, Moss and Singletary have looked good this year. They rank fifth in the league in rushing. Obviously, Josh Allen has a little to do with that, too. But teams are defensive coordinators are, are really going to be spinning their wheels trying to figure out a, a game plan because everyone that's been constructed that, you know, that teams across the league kind of agreed on was – the, the blueprint to stopping Josh Allen, eventually he's figured out a way to, to beat that blueprint. So now that he's got all these weapons and there's so much synergy and continuity, uh, I think Knox, for me, is kind of that, that, that missing piece that's going to take this thing to the next level, potentially. This is Matt Perino, Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. It's Exit 31 on ESPN Radio, and we're at QSportsTalk.com. All of our social media, including even SportsCenter, uh, tweeting out the Derrick Henry stiff arm from the last time <laughs> these two teams met. Uh, but you said it yourself. This is, is a different team. It's, it's a different season. And, and I guess that leads me to this question. Are the Bills the best team in the NFL right now? If not, they've got to be in the top three Then that conversation, right, Matt? Yeah, um, it's hard still. Like, I think through five weeks, you could make a pretty good argument. I probably would make it uh, that they were the best team. Um, I think Baltimore has looked outstanding what they did at the Chargers yesterday was kind of one of those you know signature marquee wins now the Bills had one of those last week against the Chiefs and what they've done Uh, but I think the Chargers this year have been a little bit more impressive than the Chiefs so I guess I'd I'd weigh that a little bit more but this is a chance on national TV again for the Bills to really emphatically send that message once again it's not something that I think they set out to do necessarily I mean Sean McDermott does a really good job Week to week, it's just the next, it's the biggest game because it's the next game that they have to play. All the cliches that come out, but you know this is a, a part three uh, of the revenge tour, if you will. It started with Houston three weeks ago. Remember in 2019 when the, the Texans knocked off the Bills in that wild card playoff game? Uh, the Bills got off to a 16 nothing lead. They came back and knocked them off. Then last week against the Chiefs. We all remember the AFC title game, and then now the Tennessee Titans who embarrassed them on, on national TV. And I think that. Going back to that time last year, the Bills took it kind of personally the way that the Tennessee Titans kind of handled that whole thing with COVID and, and all that kind of stuff. So, Or at least just the circumstances of it. They, 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 they weren't thrilled with it. So this is a chance for them to kind of do that again, and this is a team that plays traditionally week to week with a chip on its shoulder. Uh, but, yeah, I think that they – you look at all three of their groups, special teams, defense, and, and offense, it's hard – to argue against them not being the best. I mean, their point differential over the last four weeks has been like 28 points per game, which I think there's been no four-game stretch for any NFL team with that high of a point differential since like 1953, if I'm remembering the stat I saw correctly. Wow. Matt Perino, Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com, joining us on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. 
Um, all right, so we know, look, Josh Allen has been outstanding this year. He's been everything that the Bills needed, but we've seen sometimes when, when he's in the spotlight, maybe he, he falters a little bit. You know, we've seen, seen it in the playoffs or whatever. So bright lights, Monday Night Football, what are you expecting to see from QB1 tonight? I don't think that these lights are as bright as last week. Uh, fair, I think that, that was such... – now, well, let's be honest. I think the Chiefs defense isn't very good. I think the Titans defense isn't very good. So I think that that's helpful in these moments, right? But I think that, you know, Josh Allen's been through enough in this league now, the ups and downs, the, the, the bad moments where he's got a group of veteran receivers around him. I mean, you look, you add up the, the experience between Emmanuel Sanders, uh, who's having a, you know, uh, found the fountain of youth this season at 34 years old, the way that he's playing. Uh, Stephon Diggs, who's an all-pro, has been in the league six years. And then Cole Beasley, who's been in the, year, the league a decade. These guys have a really good way about them of calming Josh Allen down in those moments where you might have seen him kind of a couple of years ago get out of control a little bit, go a little haywire. They're able to kind of be that, like, angel on his shoulder and, you know, just you know, get him back down, down to earth. So I don't, I don't expect that tonight. I don't, I don't think that that – and plus the, a lot of this comes down to just going through the reps of it and, and knowing the guys around you, and most importantly, Brian Dable's offensive coordinator, this is year four in the system. They know that when they get into certain, certain situations, they've been there for, from before. They can pull from those experiences. So I'm expecting a lot of what we saw last week. I think the Titans are going to have a tough time dealing with them down the field with the way that this team – I think this is a big Stephon Diggs potential game or, or maybe even Cole Beasley who hasn't – been as big of a part of the offense the last couple weeks, and we've covered that quite a bit. This might be a game where he can break out a little bit. Matt Perino, Bills beat reporter with Syracuse.com, here with us on Exit 31, ESPN Radio, and QSportsTalk.com. Last question I have for you today. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. Matt, uh, do they have enough tables in stock when you said it's going to be about 60 40% uh, uh, down in Tennessee tonight for the game? Are, are they going to be able to satisfy the demand of the Bills Mafia? What's funny is, remember, uh, if you're a WWE fan, and that's where I think like a lot of the gifts that are shared about the table, you know, shtick is the Dudley Boys, right? From the from the WWE back in the day. Sure. And the, their their line was, you know, Devon, get the table, right? Well, the the line this weekend or tonight is probably Nashville hide the table because <laughs> I think the tables that are laid out down by that stadium, they're in danger. They're they're gonna probably somebody's going through them. So yeah, that's probably the case. Uh, it's gonna be so fun. I can't wait. I'm actually gonna head up there in about an hour or so and just kind of, you know, mosey my way about the, the tailgate and check it out and see what's going on and try to capture some video. Um, these are the cool moments where, you know, it's one thing to cover a team that's like, you know, Super Bowl contender, but the most fun that I have is covering it for a fan base as passionate as this one. It's, it's really, I talk to people all over the league. I have friends on beats all over the NFL and, you know, their experience is nothing like this. And so it's fun. And it was fun to be kind of in the midst of it last night uh, down here in Nashville. Yeah, there is no better fan base than Bill's Mafia. I'm a Giants fan, Santia. At Matt Perino with two R's must follow if you are Bill's Mafia. Thanks for the preview of tonight's Monday Night Football game, Matt. We'll talk again very soon. We'll reach out, okay? Anytime, guys. Have a good week. Yep. We're getting into the kerfuffle next. Oh, uh, I got a couple things. Uh, am I done today? Can I be done? I was going to say the entire show's been a kerfuffle for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I didn't mean to. Rain versus Monday. I didn't mean to heap that all on you today. <laughs> yeah, rain versus Monday. And just my teams can't, they're not saving me. Yeah. Like, like I need something to check out and, and get something positive. And it's Rangers got to win this weekend. That, that, that is true. I need more, though. I want them all to be successful. It's not working out in my favor. We kerfuffle next. Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. 
Who's got Twitter beef? Bulletin board material. We've got another Donnybrook, an athletic brouhaha. Let's go toe-to-toe. It's the Exit 31 kerfuffle. Ah, a classic conundrum. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Dear Tiger Nation, five years ago, I fulfilled a lifelong dream and returned to LSU to lead the Tigers into Death Valley. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I understand you have a kerfuffle up there in Syracuse and Central New York with the snow and recruiting and winning <laughs> and good decisions during the course of a game, but it's the player's fault. It's not our fault. Ed Ogeron, after this year, no longer to coach LSU, he wrote a funny letter. Uh, did you notice that he incorporated it at the very end of that? And I have to read this for you in his voice and you're gonna have to save me at the end of this because it's it's rough on the throat here i can't tell you how much i say from the bottom of my heart i'm so very sorry or so very very sorry ready i pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith and there's a drive into deep left field by castellanos (laughs) and that'll be a home run and so that'll make it a four to nothing ball game i don't know if i'm going to be putting this (laughs) on this headset again I don't know if it's going to be for the reds i don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at fox oh my god tigers ed ogeron that is incredible. Yep, that's that's legit. Uh, that, is that the legit letter? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mm. guess you'll have to figure that out for yourself. Hey, but that's in there. I, I, I'm reading that to you. Uh, that uh, looks that looks real, man. Potentially one of many candidates. This is the next coach of Syracuse. Depending on if we can get three more wins, five wins, you're saying, eh, eh, that's it. That's the uh, pun intended. X. Some people, <laughs> some people, some people say that you know five and seven will get them to stay. I, I, I think at this point you got to get you got to get six wins. You got to be bowl eligible. All right. Well, needless to say, this is our kerfuffle on Exit Thirty One on ESPN Radio Q Sports Talk dot com. Let's just take a minute to acknowledge Paulie Scabilia, an Orange Nation, and you, you know they honored Troy Palomalu in your game last night. And Pittsburgh ends up winning this, but they won it in regulation. And mm-hmm. it was a ridiculous review that led to there being three seconds on the clock. They spike the ball, and then they make the kick to tie the game, mm-hmm. and then they had to win it a second time. What what was that? What What's going on? An unnecessary review. And you could see Mike Tomlin was beyond heated. Oh, yeah. Uh, he wasn't PO'd. He was furious, and he was justified. And I remember tweeting last night, I'm like, is the NFL fixed? I mean, no, it's probably a conspiracy theory, but the fact is, like, sometimes it, it it's just so questionable what they're doing and what these decisions are, game after game after game, time after time, season after season. I'm, I mean, what's the point of this? Like, what are you doing there? It was terrible. They could have lost the game because of that. Yeah. Luckily, it worked out in their favor because it would have been a screw job. Yep. And, yeah. It, it, you can't do the the. I mean. One rule, the, the the number one rule of, of refereeing or be, or being an official at a game is is don't become a factor in the game. You can't allow yourself to be involved in the game. You call, you react to things that happen in the game. You make calls when they, when they need to be made, but you don't affect the outcome. They, and they were they clearly were, in a position to affect the they outcome. Were absolutely affecting the outcome there. I, I mean, I, I I I I don't I don't know what I was watching when I saw that. I'm like, what is going? What is going on right now? You ready? It, yeah. Here you go. Seattle takes over back at their own 15. And Geno Smith will drop deep. He'll pump. He'll take it. Lost the football. Knocked out by one. Recovered by Devin Bush. And the Smith fumble forced by the defensive star T.J. Watt. 
Kuntz to snap. Harvin to hold. Boswell from 37 for the win. And the Pittsburgh Steelers win in overtime. T.J. Watt good at football. Second at fourth quarter, that forced fumble in overtime. Good football player. Pittsburgh ends up winning, but it should never have gone that far. You know, here's the thing, too. You get a situation like that where the game should have been over. You didn't need to review whether or not that was a catch. Mm -hmm. And then how many more plays do you run that you're putting these players at injury risk? Can you imagine something like that happening? Especially to Pittsburgh, who's already... I mean, Tomlin's got a case. Mm-hmm. He was he was mad for a reason. It yeah. should never have gone to overtime. That should not have happened. The game was over. Over. Done. Stick a fork in it. So now does does Mike Tomlin get fined for his comments? He shouldn't. You know, he shouldn't. He, he, but he, he did say that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. He called out the officials it's technically. An, it's an embarrassment, which he's right. So we call it the officials. But at the same time, you know, if there's an egregious call or whatever, it's warranted. There should not be any fine for it. You, you should be held accountable for plays like that. I, I mean, what? Officials get a free pass. They make decisions like that that could affect the outcome of a game. And you're not allowed to be upset about it. You know, and I've seen this and it applies to Major League Baseball and umpires, but it applies to referees or in the NBA or, or even in the NHL, for that matter, with the video and the ability to replay. If you get these, maybe they give you a couple of free passes, Mm -hmm. but after a point, maybe it's a a statistical number that you settle on depending on the infraction, but fining them is they're making mistakes. Why, Why are they beyond reproach? Why can you not criticize them when they're clearly in the wrong? When you've got the video to prove that they're wrong and it affects the outcome of a game, you can't say anything? That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But it's it's the league. Officials are a reflection of the league. And the league, if you essentially if, if you criticize the officials, you're criticizing the league. And so they don't want they don't they don't want you to do that. They don't want to have to answer questions. But to me, it's just the officials should be treated as if they were players, as if they were coaches. They're a part of the game. And if they make a call that negatively affects a game for a team, then absolutely they have the right to complain. Now, granted, again, if you call a penalty because there was a penalty, that's one thing. But if you make a really questionable call or an egregious call that can change the outcome of a game, I mean, we're allowed to rip on the coaches. We're allowed to rip on the on the players. Why not the officials? We saw the, we see these all the time. There's going to be more, plenty yeah. more before the season's out. X31QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio, our kerfuffle. Uh, uh, let's get one more here, if you don't mind. There's a, there's a guy, uh, Syracuse Waterboy. We've had him on before. His name's Tony. Maybe you've seen him on social media. Wears a kilt to the games. Ah, Great yeah. guy. I think he's having a, a little water boy of his own, him and his wife. Uh, and I'm bringing him up. Maybe his ears are ringing. But he's a Braves fan, mm. and that makes me think of those Atlanta Braves who, listen, if the Dodgers can't come back and beat them, I'm going to have to root for the Braves because I'm going to need the Astros to beat the Red Sox, and then I'm going to need the Braves to crush to, the Astros. to beat the Astros. That's who I'm rooting for. That's my kerfuffle. So, yeah, if I break it down, basically it's the Braves versus the Astros after they beat Boston, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess we can't sleep on Los Angeles. They had a comeback last night, and now they're up two games to none. Eddie Rosario, three hits tonight against Kenley Jansen. And first ball swinging. Oh! And it gets through! And here comes the winning run! Swanson scores! And the Braves win again in their final at-bat! 
Baseball isn't boring, especially in October. Pandemonium. It is fun. The, 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 the drama, pitch by pitch by pitch. Oh, yeah, you hang on every... It's completely different than the regular season. It is so different. So are you on, on board with me on this? Are we going to root for the Braves together? Absolutely. As disgruntled Yankees fans? Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing when you have a common enemy, how you can rally together with people because... You know, you, you remember in the, in the 90s, I mean, the Yankees and the Braves had that World Series rivalry going. Yeah. they. So uh, the, I didn't like the Braves, but now common enemy. I need them. Braves fans don't want the Red Sox or Astros to win if the Braves get to the, to the World Series. Neither do we. So let's go Atlanta. We are on the bandwagon. Oh, I'll jump bully. on the Dodgers bandwagon if I have to, if they can somehow come back from this two to nothing deficit. I'm okay with that. You good with that? I'm good with that. We'll do that too. Um, it just cannot. The American League cannot win the World Series this year. I guess all we're asking is who's coming with me? Who's coming <laughs> with me? Let's 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 root against Red Sox Nation. Come on in. The water's fine. It's just it's so bad that we've got to root for the Astros too in this to beat yeah. them. Honestly, it it's it's it sucks. There's no other way around it. It's it's horrible. It, it's tough when you have Kike Hernandez, who is the hottest player mm-hmm. on the planet, and what he's doing, and to do this in the postseason. Listen, if you're a Red Sox fan, it kind of reminds you of Big Poppy a couple of years ago when he he's like 700. Yeah, ridiculous. All right, well, let's go anybody but those two teams. Our kerfuffle. We'll pause it right now. We'll come right back on X31 on ESPN Radio. QSportsTalk.com. Was I late again, glue guy? Yes. Is my clock management yes. bad? It was. Uh, um, is there going to be consequences for that? You no. Know, talk about me in the Because there's not consequences uh, for Syracuse, now is there? Okay, fair point. Last thing we'll say today is next. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. So DK Metcalf has blue hair. Now, mm. correct? Yes. Uh, he is a wide receiver. Shannon Sharp was a tight end, though, wasn't he? Yeah. So it's not quite the same. We'll see how the resumes end up when it's all said and done. They have a little bit of a kerfuffle, too. We'll have to explore that a little bit more yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, we can talk about that tomorrow. Uh, once again, uh, the Crunch are 1-1 one one on the year. The Comets are 1-0. Oh. We'll get some Uticus fired up. I can't wait to be talking about... I can't wait to be talking about hockey a little bit more mm-hmm. as the season is now in its infancy and we can... Talk about the throughway throwdown and all these matchups, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as you know, the, the crunch are good coming out of the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. organization. But, man, I tell you what, the Comets look good. They got some talent down there right now for the Devils. They thrashed Rochester yesterday. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but Jimmy Huntington's your HL Player of the Week. Uh, yep. As of yesterday, when they close it out, four goals, two games. You mentioned earlier, first career hat trick. I think he had like five goals in his career or something yeah. before. It was Quite the week for him. It was a, it was a hell of a, a career so far. Yeah. Well, and then from the Comets perspective, you got Alexander Holtz. Not too bad. Not too bad. Listen, we're going to step aside. We're going to make way for Brent X. You're on the block at the top of the hour. I'm sure you know what to expect. The text at 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. See you tomorrow at 2.